Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long-form, unbiased and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by SkinCeuticals, the number one medical aesthetic skincare brand worldwide. So how's your morning in Paris? What's the weather like? It's very uh, cold and windy. But, uh, and it's dark, I, you know, I wake up so, uh, I wake up really early. I'm used to, uh, in the summer here, it gets late, it gets um, dark at like 10 PM. Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful, but because we have that kind of, we're on that part of the hemisphere, then what happens is in the winter, it's just dark all morning. And then yeah, it, you I don't really see the sun until like 10 AM. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys aren't used to that. No, we, we get a pretty, um, pretty normal days here for most of the year because we're so close to the equator we don't get the uh the long days and the long nights we do daylight savings which i don't understand why we do it our days are already long and hot enough but um for some reason <laughs> they decided to make them longer how long is your um your, your time out in paris or when do you get to go back home to the states or you're permanently out there for the foreseeable future i've been here for yeah i've been here for like a year because i don't have a visa to come as i was joking with you guys last time so like what happens is that if i can't I can't go back and um, because if I go back, I can't come back here. Right. So, um, so I can't, I'm staying here and then they're figuring it out. It's not like I'm here. Like I was just joking before, like they're figuring it out with the French government to just have me stay. Um, and then um, if I can get the vaccine in the U S then I'll just fly to the U S get the vaccine. Cause I think it's happening a little bit faster in the U S for people my age. Yep. Right. Um, and then I, and then they can come into the country. Right. So it's a bit complicated, but for now I'm just staying, I have a nice place and my wife's here. So, you know, we're just, we're having a good time. I mean, I travel more than anyone else in the company and this year I didn't go one mile. So it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. let's, um, let's introduce our audience to who you are. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce your name again, please. Apologies if I butcher it again. Give Baluch. Baluch? You got it. Baluch. Perfect. Oh, yes. Perfect. Okay. I've been, pra- I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> so, could you just tell our listeners about who you are, who you work for, what you're doing? I mean, Jake and I have read a lot about you. We're very excited to have this discussion, but just so people can orientate themselves as to uh, what it is we're talking about tonight. Yeah. So, um, I've been at the company now for. 15 years and I'm originally an academic and I run what's called our um, technology incubator team. It's basically a tech team that is in between um, beauty and technology. And we're trying to build, um, you know, services and products for the future that can augment and make beauty to a new level of performance for our, for our people. And uh, also find ways to, incorporate physical and digital innovations to the future of what beauty will be um, tomorrow. And that's basically our mission. Our mission in the team is to, is to use technology to solve some of the oldest needs that you can imagine in, in beauty that can't be solved without technology. So yeah, so I, I, my journey in the company started about 15 years ago and I've been doing this job for about 10 years now, almost the same. Yeah. And when um, you say uh, company, we're referring to uh, L'Oreal, which is probably one of the most well-known household names, well, probably all across the world, well, definitely in the Western world. Been there for a very long time. They must be doing something right to hold on to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm working for L'Oreal. We're the biggest beauty company in the world. That's nice of you to say, but I feel uh, I feel uh, also sometimes like, okay, they, they're still keeping me, uh, so that's good. So uh, it's both sides, but yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a... Um, it's a great company. It's been around for 110 years and, um, it was started by a chemist named Eugene Schuller. And so the company has been built a lot on science and technology. So it, it, for people like me that have kind of that academic background, um, it, it's a great company to work for because they really believe in innovation a lot. 
Give um, when I first read about your, uh, you know, the technology incubator, etc. I had visions of of you in a, in a lab with mad scientists walking around in lab coats with test tubes and and stuff. How is it really? What, what's happening in the background? And you know, how many of you are there? And and you know, what's the you know what's what's the background to it all? I mean, we have some people that wear lab coats, and uh, if if they're in the lab, and th- but you know, to be honest, it's mainly. Um, uh, the the way the team is structured is we have about 50 people worldwide. Um, those people are from San Francisco to New York to Paris and to um, China and Japan. And basically the team is about half engineers. So these are people that worked at places like Apple or Google or um, and know how to make, um, you know, hardware and electronics and kind of um, those things. And the other half um, is a really set of diverse um, people um, from different walks of life. So marketers, we have PhDs, we have um, industrial designers, data scientists. And the reason I did it like that was because if it was all engineers, we would just fill, build physical objects that we thought were quote unquote cool. Um, <laughs> but the purpose is, uh, you know, if we do that, what happens is that we probably won't get to what consumers really need. And we won't think about the whole system, not just a piece of um, technology, but how to create a system behind it that works. Um, we have to work sometimes with um, beauty advisors, sometimes with dermatologists. So um, uh, we need people that understand multiple different facets of, of beauty and also just in general, the industry. So the team is kind of split like that. So we're not necessarily in a lab, but we do work with a lot of formula because in the end, you know, um, technology is not going to be separated from our formulas. It will enhance how formulas work. And I think it will be the same in, in Durham offices when it comes to treatments. So we do have to work with formulators in L'Oreal. And in those in those uh, instances, we, we have people that go to labs and and we um, we work with those people to make the projects happen. Perfect. And um, our listeners always interested in people's stories. What did you, you said that you're an analyst or a scientist. Tell us a little bit more about your, your journey into L'Oreal and, and how did that all come about? Yeah, I, I, I wish I could tell you that I, um, you know, had a dream to, to be a beauty, uh, a beauty executive, but that wouldn't be true. So uh, um, I actually didn't know much about the beauty industry. I, I came from, I grew up in California um, in, in Berkeley specifically, which is a, a very uh, academic town because it has UC Berkeley. So about 20, 30% of the population are academics there. Uh, my dad's a professor um, and uh, was at Berkeley uh, and still does, um, uh, still is a scientist. So I, I grew up um, in an academic family and I went down that path. So I, I got a PhD in biology um, and it was very much in the uh, in uh, in um, kind of moving towards academia or the pharma industry, so I um, I spent a couple years in a, at a at a company, a pharma company, and um, uh, I randomly fell upon L'Oreal um, in 2007. And um, I one thing that kind of interested me about the beauty industry was the fact that um, I'm a very fast paced thinker. I like to think a lot about many products we can do, you know, you can create. That can be a challenge in pharma, which rightfully so, you have lots of regulation and it's, um, and it's, a, and many times, you know, you have to balance in pharmaceutical side effects versus what can provide value. Um, and you have to be very careful um, to make sure that people are safe uh, when, you know, um, and so the, the industry is a lot slower, but, you know, it has a different, it has a different purpose in beauty, you know, you can innovate and be fast. You can do things quickly. You can make products quickly. The, the consumer's very demanding about what kind what they want to um, achieve. So when I entered the company, they put me in this kind of very academic uh, role, this very scientist role at a PhD, but I became um, enamored by the, the marketing actually. I kind of felt like, wow, um, uh, these people are really thinking about things all the time. Um, and so over time, they saw that I had this kind of balance of how I like to of course, I love innovation and science, but I wanted to do product as well. And that's how I fell upon that role. 
of, uh, they said, well, maybe we have you run our tech team. And I'm lucky I was raised in California because that does help you when you want to run a tech team <laughs> for your image internally, but also for um, for having friends and uh, people that you know in your whole life uh, in the Silicon Valley. Yeah. So where did the, the concept of the incubator actually come from? I mean, we're going to talk about your team and where you guys are all around the world because I was having a look, you've got offices all over the place, but where did the actual concept come from and, and sort of were you mm-hmm. the person that were, were you been there since day one was this you know part of your brainchild or was this just something that has evolved over time um it wasn't part of my brainchild actually i would love to take the credit but i can't it was actually um we have this great head of r d um whose name is laurent Tatal, and he's actually a dermatologist in training and he heads up our R&D and um, he had been taking a trip. I forget where, whether it was California or Tel Aviv or one of the places around the world that does um, a lot of um, innovation in health and um, and and um, digital. And it was around 2011. And um, he was inspired, very inspired by what was happening in the health industry. Um, he's on the board of Sanofi and he has all these kinds of, you know, um, this background of seeing, you know, especially in health and di- and fitness and these kinds of things, what were happening. And so he came back and he said, you know what, I think maybe we should open a tech team for, for beauty. And um, he, as he knew that I was already very interested in innovation and, you know, um, and finding ways to build new types of products and services, he said, give, let's try to create this team. Um, and, and it was an experiment. We were going to try for a year and see how it would go. Because at that time, you know, I have to say there was, you know, at the Consumer Electronics Show, for example, there were no beauty companies. So, um, yes, digital was starting to become big in beauty, but only on an e-commerce level, only on a shopping level. Um, when it came to technology to actually achieve results in beauty, um, we were still in very topical driven um, or, you know, um, uh, chemistry driven, uh, uh, industry. So, um, so we didn't know what it meant. So he kind of just asked me to think about how to run it. Once he gave me that kind of inspiration or that frame, then I, um, then I was able to kind of have a blank canvas and think about what the beauty of tomorrow would be and how we could, um, find ways to take tech, you know, to create technology with external partners because we were not a tech company. So we had to find external partners and maybe take inspiration from what others were starting to do in the health industry and fitness and in, um, in the, uh, you know, the animation industry and all these kinds of industries that were really transforming thanks to technology. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was how we, that's how we came up with, uh, with the creation. Uh, Give. Um, we're going to come on to the main topic, which is the custom dose device. But just tell us about yeah. some of the other projects that you guys have have uh, done. I know that you've um, sort of created a sort of a UV sensor that's a wearable. Um, you've created a mm-hmm. um, number of different personalized makeup products, beauty products. So just talk to us about one or two of those projects and, and the evolution of those and, and maybe a bit of insight into how long these things take. Sure. Um, so uh, since we started the team in 2012, our first innovation came to the market 2014, and it was called uh, Makeup Genius. It was the world's first augmented reality virtual try-on. And the idea behind that, at that time, it was the iPhone 4, so the cameras weren't yet as advanced. So a lot of these applications were on the market where people could take their own photo and they could kind of look at uh, uh, makeup and lipstick, but they'd have to tell the app where their lips were and where their eyebrows were. And it was fun, but it takes 20 minutes to recognize your face. So I don't think people were, you know, using that as a way to truly try makeup. Um, And you don't always love the way you look in a picture. You know, it's different than the way you look in a mirror. So we took the challenge of partnering with a, um, a company that was a startup that was working on um, the animation industry when it came to augmented reality. And they helped us create a virtual makeup mirror. That was the world's first makeup mirror. And um, it the idea was that you go to the shelf at the supermarket and you have thousands of options. So you don't know, you can't try them. So now you just scan the product and boom, in like a magic in a mirror, you see yourself in video rate with the makeup on. 
And, um, and you can do that at home. You can do that at the store. So we launched and we had over 20 million downloads. And after that, we started to launch every year something new. So it's been about uh, now we probably launched about 10 um, products in eight years. Um, and I'll give you a couple more examples that are maybe relevant, more relevant um, to our discussion. One, as you mentioned, is this UV project we did. Um, we decided to actually make a wearable device, but we didn't want to make a wearable device that was another wristband or a watch uh, because we're, we're not a, a technology group. We wanted to find something kind of um, could create value for our consumers, for beauty consumers. And we wanted and we chose to tackle UV. And the reason we did is because in the 1950s and 1960s, L'Oreal and some other companies and uh, scientists around the world were some of the first to create sun filters. And um, it's an incredible innovation when you think about it, because before the 1950s, you didn't have any protection against the sun except not going into the sun. Yeah. Um, and so the sunscreen allowed people to have protection. But the fascinating point that I understood was that um, since those that time, um, melanoma has never been um, uh, going down. It's always been rising. Yeah. So it's been rising every year, even though we have great new technologies on the market, which means that we have the technologies, but the education isn't there. And people that have darker skin tone or people that are very active, a lot of them don't think they need sunscreen. Um, and so um, we built this sensor um, that was a sensor that could measure your UV exposure, but we partnered with two different people, very different from outside. One from Northwestern University in Chicago because they had access to these wearables that you didn't need to charge. So it could just use, um, a, it would have a little window in it that you could get the UV exposure, almost the size of a M&M, a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it could take uh, your measurement and all you had to do was tap it to your phone. You never needed to charge it again because there was no battery. The, it became super small. So then we went to an industrial designer in San Francisco and we built um, a, a design uh, called Fuse Project is the, is the agency. And we built a, a little clip and a little kind of wearable device that we can do. And so, yeah, so we put that on the market with our brand La Roche-Posay. It's a dermatology driven brand that we have. And we tried to use, uh, first we gave it as a campaign for free as a patch. And then after with this wearable, we now sell it at the Apple store worldwide. So we're the first beauty product at the Apple store. So, and yeah, and, um, uh, and not to go, you know, to take too much more time on that, but just to say that, you know, we also started really strongly believing in personalization, mm -hmm. um, not for the sake of a trend, but for sake of the fact that, um, when you think about inclusivity in the world today and the responsibility that we have to reach everybody's needs, um, personalization is a great um, lever or um, a brick of technology to help us get there. Um, and so we looked at all our categories and we, we started doing a lot of projects around it, like foundation for shade with Lancome or um, or um, hair color um, to get the right hair color personalized just for you with our, our startup color and co. And that led us to, to, for example, dose, which is our skincare, skincare one. Mm -hmm. It would seem that, um, you know, you mentioned that the, you know, the push towards personalized beauty for, you know, to make it inclusive for everybody, but it seems like there's been a, a focus for the at home, the at home uh, segment of the market as well. Is that correct? And, and if so, like what's, what's been driving that? I guess COVID sort of been, you know, fortuitous in that, in that respect, I guess at least people are at home now. So at home products and at home treatments are where it's at. But what's been driving that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in my opinion, and of course, I, I, I've been doing this, to, um, I've been in the industry 15 years and doing the job for 10 years. So I think um, I've learned a lot. I've, I've learned, I've listened to people. I've, um, uh, and, um, and my team has a lot of insight on that too, because they're doing the day-to-day -day work and they have to go to dermatology offices or to uh, people's homes and to, to see how people adapt. And I think, yes, there is a revolution now of people wanting more and more services at home. There's no, and that's not only about COVID. That's just about where the world is heading. I mean, the world is heading to a point where um, the shopping experience, the discovery experience, and the product experience at home will be something different in 10 years than it is today dramatically. 
But um, I also don't think that just because we're in a pandemic time and um, that we should think we should forget about the longer term, which is that people always will want to go to professionals because professionals are the artists on how to apply products, on how to use products. So yes, there will be an elevation at home and a booming of services, but um, it doesn't mean that won't happen, um, that there won't be augmented tech in our retail, in our spas, in um, in our doctor's offices. Um, it just means that everyone has to up up their game. It's uh, and um, and you know I use the example of hair color. I want to create the easiest way for people to buy hair color at home. It's one of my biggest dreams um, for for beauty because it's difficult to buy it at a supermarket. But um, I can never replicate a fantastic hair colorist applying it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, we have to also give those people technology that can elevate the, their their environment as well. So I think, you know, um, yes, there is a boom at home, but people will be going back to salons, to spas, to offices as well. And we need to be prepared for the boom that will happen there um, when this um, awful health pandemic is, is over. Um, so we're looking at the bigger picture in our team. But in the end, um, you know, uh, if there is anything that will dramatically change, it will be at home. Yeah. yeah. And not just the, I guess, the home at home aspect, but also the bespoke aspect. And that leads nicely onto sort of the topic of the day, which is the custom dose device. Now, I know what it is, and I think David yes. does because we've done some research for this podcast, <laughs> but tell our listeners, you know, what, what this device is and, uh, again, the background to it because it's quite cool. It's pretty impressive. Oh, thanks a lot. No, I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's interesting. We started, um, as I mentioned, um, almost a decade ago on personalizing um, products, and we learned a lot. Um, first, The first thing we learned is not every category in beauty needs to be personalized. And it's good to learn that because you you have to make sure you understand what you want to achieve. What do you really want to give people? So we tackled some um, some areas that the consumer insight was much more clear, like hair, um, like foundation. Fifty percent of women can't get the right shade. The problem is is very clear. The solution is very clear. Get the right shade. Um, uh, of course, there's it's not easy, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's a it's a the first step. Uh, the hair color is the same. I need to get the right box of hair color to get me from A to B. Um, but the thing was that we also heard a lot from people some general insights in skincare, and the insights were always I don't know what's the right skincare for me. Yes. Um, and you ask a lot of people around uh, and they still don't. I mean, and it's not age related. I've talked to people that are 75. I've talked to people that are 30. They just don't know what's right for their skin. So, okay, there's this piece. The second piece is, is transparency. It's about, I want to know what's in my product. And I want to know if it, if it really, you know, over time is working for me. And that's something that's a bit challenging because you have, um, you have the world of how we typically do claims in our, in, in any industry, um, but people want more than that. They want to know. They want to know why. They want to know is it working over time, um, and they want to talk to. Uh, to they want to have a conversation. Not just is it working, but is it evolving really? Um, and so when we look at that insight, we said I always said to our team, I'd love to create a personalized skincare machine. So um, you know, a, a lot of our products end up in. Uh, at home and in, be- in beauty advisors or in stores like, you know, Nordstrom and, and these kinds of places or, or um, Harrods or uh, in, uh, in Australia, Myers or uh, things like that. So, um, uh, but uh, when we looked at it, we said, we have to bring something really different, both on a level of assessing the skin and second on, a, on the product. And that came to life with the project dose, which was first, we felt that we absolutely needed the influence and persuasion of the dermatologist to be the one that measures, tells people about their skin, because we know that trust is very important and dermatologists have a relationship with their users. So we started, we wanted a brand that was strong in dermatology. And the second was we wanted a formula that was so high in the level of percentage of active that we could mix a perfect serum right there at the office that could be different than what they could get on the shelf. 
Um, and so, and, and these, these problems are not easy to solve because um, we do have this fantastic brand SkinCeuticals and we knew from that moment that SkinCeuticals was the right brand to do it. They're in dermatology offices. They have some of the best efficacious formulas in the beauty industry. Personally, I use their formulas every day. So I'm actually 90 years old. I'm just <laughs> um, I, I've been using their formulas every day and they have fantastic formulas. Um, and, but, but there's this extra challenge that we had to tackle with them which was now we want to build a little machine that can um, that can mix a lot of these high percentage actives um, into a perfect serum, and that means we'd have to put um, we'd have to put actives like retinol and photosensitive, and we did not want to um, compromise what we put in the formula, yeah. and so it took us a lot of time. It, it was a chance, so we had to build a machine which is a small little, so the way it works, just to tell you, it's a little, it's a machine that's, um, that can be put in the doctor's office. It's not very big. Um, it has a carousel of 24 cartridges filled with um, SkinCeuticals um, actives like Proxylane and Retinol and, um, uh, and many others. Um, and, uh, and these actives um, are some of their best in class for things like pigmentation, for um, for wrinkles and fine lines. And so they put all of this there. The machine is connected to a tablet um, seamlessly. The dermatologist or the medical esthetician will talk to the user, um, assess their skin, and um, will be able to, to, mix, uh, to mix actives together to make a perfect kind of blend. Um, and that blend can have, for example, um, uh, higher levels of um, of um, uh, certain certain um, skinceuticals actives that are to address specifically that person's needs. Yeah. And once they have the full recipe, the machine just goes around, and in two minutes, it doses into this little bottle um, the the for formula. And at the top of the machine, you just open it, and there's a a centrifuge, almost like a laboratory one or a factory one. We actually mimicked the it's ones we cool. have in our factory yep. and it mixes the serum. So the idea is that the insight is I finally get to have a conversation with my, my professional about my skin, but also get a product which is really um, efficacious and made for me. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the, the um, story behind the creation of the project. Am I right in saying that um, you've sort of done a, I don't know if you did a sort of a research with dermatologists or patients themselves, but you, it sort of caters for at least 250 common skin complaints and types. So that pretty much covers, you know, the vast majority of the population. And then obviously after the consult with the skin therapist or, or the derm, the information is sort of plugged in on a tablet and you go through a number of questions. So that is how it's becoming customized. And, you know, uh, the dosing and, and the mixing of the ratios is sort of finalized. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so to answer your question, yes, um, it, we had to work with dermatologists. And that's why we started with SkinCeuticals. That's why we did it with SkinCeuticals, because they have access to all these great doctors. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had conversations with doctors on this technology. And actually, I have to say, I've, I came to Australia a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, when we started thinking of the project that was there for, for um, an event for corporate. And I met with dermatologists thanks to SkinCeuticals and I talked to people. And, um, and the reason we wanted to do that was because, um, as I mentioned before, it has to be something that solves a need. The second thing is that when, we're, when my team and the SkinCeuticals team, when we were building the questionnaire, we want to make sure it was questions that derms really ask their patients mm -hmm. when they get they come in, and we didn't want to automate the process of the um, of the measurement or the diet or assessment of the skin because um, no derm needs that. They know skin. They know that's there. That's what they wake up every day trying to do. So we we can't um, do these things without their help. So yeah, and to and there's a lot of manual parts when it comes to the, even the digital process about asking the questions about, and sometimes you, um, you could even just go through those questions. If the derm says, okay, I already know my patient, uh, and, uh, and I just want to get to the mix, there are ways to skip. Yeah. Um, but asking the questions also creates a database for the people, 
where when they come back, they can continuously evolve their skincare. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can say, you know, this worked well for me. This didn't um, have a conversation. And there's kind of a history of what they've done, you know, what they've been given. And, um, and it's funny because this compounding product, this kind of personalized serum, um, it was very well received by the doctors because they, they know that they're, you know, in the end, um, um, dermatologists want to give their patients the best. They want to answer their, their needs. And there's a, a gap that we hope we can fill with, you know, procedures um, and also um, topicals. And there's a gap between of, of things we can do where you can uh, provide more. So, yeah, so we partnered with them. We worked with them and we made a lot of changes thanks to a lot of the feedback of the derms that work with SkinCeuticals. Mm. What's the training process like when you've got, say, a new, a new, uh, you know, dermatologist that wants to take on um, this product in their rooms or in their in their practice? How do you train these people up, and how long does it take? That's a great question, and it's a really a good, uh, important one because um, I have to say, you know, yes, it's true we've launched ten projects in um, in eight years, but I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, and one of the biggest. Um, uh, oversights that I did, I had was that um, I didn't realize how how we had to make these technologies very very easy to use, um, and it doesn't matter at what level someone is in terms of their savvy when it comes to um, to things. You have to make it simple. So when we had our foundation project at the beginning, I real I, I made some mistakes on our foundation machine where it was complicated. Um, there were lots of cleaning on the machines and tubes and pipes. And so when we made this one, the dose one, we first we started with no tubes and pipes so that it just is like an espresso machine. You take a cartridge and you put it inside the machine. It has a tag, an electronic tag. So if you put the wrong cartridge, it knows. On top of it, we have a little scale at the bottom so that if it over if it's if it's about to put too much, we have a loop to know that, you know, don't put more. So it can check. There are all these kinds of checks that we don't want the derm or the office to have to do manually. So we embedded it into the system. So when we did that, the training um, is a lot more um, it's in this system is a lot simpler. So what we do is we have um, education um, materials. Um, it's as simple as telling people what are the cartridges, how to turn on the tablet and to store the information and some basic troubleshooting. But it's a very, very simple system because everything is step by step. So you you have your little bottle that doesn't have any, anything in it. You, we train people on the software. Then they they uh, they just put the um bottle at the top and close and everything's automatic. It's almost like a kind of autopilot when it comes to making it. So with most of the training materials and videos and information, we can do that pretty seamlessly. But because um, because we want everyone to have a good experience, the brand is also kind of really um, working and partnering with their derms to make sure that if there are questions on the first week, they can answer um, and help and, and have some on-field support. So yeah, it's just, a, it's not very long to train. It's mm. not very long to train. And am I correct in assuming, and I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm not letting out any trade secrets here, that you're probably <laughs> collecting data. Um, and I'm assuming that's all sort of de-identified, but I'm sure this is great for you guys in terms of being able to collect, you know, what, what mixes are popular, what are people after? And if so, is that sort of leading, you know, your next sort of project or what you're thinking into the future with all this amazing data that you're collecting? Because I guess, when you put like a regular skin product out there, people are just using what they've got. They're not actually getting something that's customized to them. So I'm assuming that's pretty useful. Very useful. Yes. And to your, to some of the examples you gave are perfect examples, which are like, what are the trend uh, the in, what are in, you know, in real time, what are people interested in, in different geographies? What are they using? Um, uh, we did that with the UV sensor. We did that with, if you know the shades of uh, skin tones of people around the world, you can start to see. It's not only about my projects, it's about also our R&D. Like, are we missing shades uh, on the normal shelf? Are we are we not giving uh, the right uh, sun products because there are people in certain areas around the world that actually do have more UV exposure than we think. Mm -hmm. um, so there are things like that. We don't link anything we do with people's personal data. So um, there are some, we purposely put some limitations on what we could achieve um, because we don't want people to um, 
we don't want people, we want people to feel that it's, it's only to improve their product. Um, so we don't know it's, um, Jim Smith or Jane Doe that had this, uh, product. We just know that, um, that we have clusters of anonymous data, but the clusters of anonymous data is, is really interesting. I mean, if you look at, for example, dose, it also in, it pushes us to to globalize our technologies because now we can see around the world what are people's skin concerns and what do they really want in terms of a product can help us build better products for our normal tr- supply chain and also maybe make our own technologies improve. Um, so yeah, so definitely data is a, an important piece both for people getting the right product but also for us developing it. Yeah, I mean that sort of. Um sort of reminds me of the, the mini series that we're running at the moment. And for people that are listening, it hasn't been, well, at the time of recording this, we haven't released them yet, but we've recorded three. Um, and it was Jake's idea doing this um, concept of beauty around the world. Where we're talking to different key opinion leaders from different regions and talking about mm. what are the beauty trends? How are people's skin in different mm. regions of the world aging? What is, you know, um, unique about p- different facial structures and skin tones and the aging process. So it's mm. really interesting. It seems like we're all maybe on the same kind of journey for this understanding of what people need yeah i think one day we'll sort of have a global data set we can we can interrogate and sort of work with injectables skincare you name it it will just be more and more and more bespoke and then we'll start looking into our own genomes and it's going to get fascinating eventually yeah we're in a good we're in a good time and uh I, I think we couldn't be in a better moment in history about when it comes to innovation in this area because um uh, it is funny when I think about it. I was talking to that my friend recently about the fact that the auditioning process of skincare, for example, is so it's so vague. I mean, you you have I, I just look at my own my own family. Um, I look at my parent, my mom, who loves uh, who loves procedures and skincare. I look at my <laughs> wife, who loves dermatology, and uh, and uh, and she she comes to me, uh, you know, and she she says, "Oh, I, I saw something on Instagram. Oh, I heard something on, uh, but from a friend. Oh, I talked to a doctor." And the reality is that the future is going to be much more about. Well, I had data, yes. I have information that over time is improving everything. Um, so, um, what happened was what will happen is that there will be a smarter relationship between data and the product and, and that will lead to better procedures. Cause you know, reality is even when you think about, and, and you, you guys know that more than me, but when you think about, um, uh, things like injectables and things, doctors want to make sure that people look as, as natural as possible. Yep. The more data there is, the more information there is the better it will be for professionals too, to be able to provide the right amount, the right precision. Um, and I think we're not like decades. I think we're very single years away from this kind of world. So it's really exciting. Yeah. You touched on something interesting that I'd not really thought of until just now, but you know, you mentioned that your wife or, or particular patients, they like an experience when they you know, have a skin treatment or they go for a facial or a massage, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So your device, it, it's very cool looking and i think it adds to the experience of the patient when they're in you know a dermatologist's office or a uh, you know a beautiful skin clinic where you know you have your consultation as traditional but then you're led through to maybe another room and you watch your product being made uh it's just Mm -hmm. a lot more engaging i think it might help with compliance because Mm -hmm. the patient sees oh there's an expiry date on here i better use it and it's got their name on the vial it's very bespoke and and personalized i think don't know somehow added yeah. to the experience um and, but i don't know whether that was in your in your mind when this was conceptualized or not um it is it's a it's a um good question because when we started the project this part it comes back to when you asked me about my team um when we actually built this device for skinceuticals um it um it was completely um uh, black and uh, you couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Skinceuticals and we had this and we started mixing. And then in discussions with them and with our consumer insight team, we actually realized, wait, why don't we put a window in the front? And when it actually makes the product, you can actually see what's inside. Um, and that insight came from the fact that people like to know what's what they're getting. So even in the 
you know, you have this kind of cool tech. If it's just a big black box, which is what us engineers would build because we think it looks very sleek, um, then it eliminates the whole point of it, which is that people want to see it being made. Yep. So we actually worked with SkinCeuticals and we made it um, we made it translucent. And when it actually starts to make the product, there's this kind of light that illuminates. And all of a sudden you see everything inside. You see the machine uh, moving, you see the formula going into the bottle, you, um, you see it spinning. And you're like thinking to yourself, at least I did when I saw that, it was a different feeling for me. I thought, wow, I feel like I'm in a factory right now. I feel like I'm in I'm seeing this product being made yeah. and um, and that's uh, and I also see that it's it's really transparent. I mean, it's just like a few actives that go into this machine that mix and uh, and I and I can actually talk to my to my dermatologist or to the brand about what it is, what's in it. Um, so I think all of that kind of creates this little cool experience and it makes it makes it easier for people to wait a few minutes um, uh, to, to look at it and see, even if it's just two, three minutes, that two, three minutes is interesting. You can actually see it being, um, seeing, being made. And, and, you know, and that goes back to the point we discussed before about, um, things won't only happen. Innovation won't only happen at home. This kind of thing can only be done in a doctor's office or in a, a spa or in a medical, of, uh, area because uh, you need that kind of experience to see the machine, but there is a, a, a great benefit to it, um, for people. Yeah. Something that um, people don't sort of realise, well, you know, especially on the short-term basis, is the way that their skin's ageing and we're changing over time. I mean, you know, Jake and I turned 40 this year. We're starting to see things that we didn't see last year. So Why did you have to remind me? <laughs> but um, <laughs> one of the great things, I guess, about, about um, custom dose is that um, you can cater to people's skin needs as they change over time. And that's something, you know, you might, people might buy a product and they, you know, I've used this product for the last 10 years. It's great. That's my product. But they don't realise that, it was great for their skin 10 years ago, but it's not great now. They need something else. They need more retinol or they need, you know, a higher, mm -hmm. youth, like whatever the case may be. So like, that's something that's, you know, fantastic about this product as well as just how it is customizable over time. Yeah, thank you. No, I agree. I, uh, I obviously, but I appreciate your comment. And I think, you know, what I love about the Dose project is um, I feel like we, we, um, I feel, and I strongly feel that, that we have this incredible brand that has great actives. This is like the first thing that matters. Let's, I mean, we have to be very clear that people want the right, people need great skincare products. They need the products that work. Um, but as you mentioned, there are things you can do with it over time um, when it comes to the dose of the product. For example, when you start using things like retinol, you need to start at a lower percentage. Then you need to go higher and higher as your skin starts to comply with it. Um, if you have a machine that can help you customize, you can work with your dermatologist to do that. You can work with a brand like SkinCeuticals to do that. Um, the same when, when there are changes to your skin, I agree with you. I'm in my 40s too now and it's a uh, it's, uh, I know they say forties are your new 30, but, uh, for our skincare, uh, we, <laughs> I, I'm not sure all the time. So, um, I'm, th I'm seeing lines that I never saw before and I don't like it. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, um, you, if you start at a, at a, at a, um, age, you know, you can, you can always start somewhere. And if you can create a skincare regimen that over time improves on the previous one, gets gets better and better and and more customized and more customized you can um accelerate um your ability to to look um as as youthful as you as you want um and not be frustrated by this kind of um, auditioning process which is very challenging so many options but not ones tailor-made for you that are evolving over time so yeah so that was kind of the story behind uh, the creation of the project too can I ask a, maybe a bit of a tricky question, but this, uh, it looks like there's so many moving parts and it's quite a complicated process. Are there any, um, you know, technical issues that you had originally and did you have to refine things and, and, and maybe reduce some of the moving parts or, or did you have, did you have to tweak anything before it was launched? Well, if the podcast was 10 hours, I could tell you every challenge I've ever had in my life. And it's funny because internally, everybody tells me you have the dream job externally. You have the dream job. And I do. I do have the dream job. But I wake up every day with an email of 100 issues that we have to solve. I think people that anyone that's been in um, uh, consumer electronics will will 
understand what I'm saying and in many industries, but specifically consumer electronics, because, um, you know, um, what we're trying to create is something is, is a system and the system requires physical, which is like the machine. Um, it requires, um, chemistry, which is the, are the formulas. It requires, um, digital, which are the, the tablet and all have to speak with each other and work with each other. Mm -hmm. And so fundamentally the, the combination of all of those is what creates sometimes hiccups. For example, and I'll give you a few, I'm happy to share them. Um, some of the products that we had with SkinCeuticals were photosensitive. So we had to, um, we could have stopped there. We could have just said, let's not use any, any um, actives in the portfolio of SkinCeuticals, but SkinCeuticals um, has a vision of providing the best formula efficacy. Yeah. So we couldn't do it. So we had to design the cartridges in a machine in a way where it could handle those kinds of um, serums. And we had lots of challenges on that. We had challenges in the fact that the machine itself had to be so accurate that there could be never a situation where you would have more of or less of the product drop into the machine. And it's not enough to just have software on that. We needed to add a load cell, a scale at the bottom of it to make sure that everything is properly done. And that was really difficult, I can tell you. Yeah. Um, and there were moments we were close to giving up on certain things. We were like, we can't. And sometimes we, we will negotiate in our mind to not over-engineer, but we will never not put something that could change the value of what we want to create. And that's what um, sometimes makes us delay things uh, if needed. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, we had to build a software that um, that was simple to use, but also valuable. So I think there were also things like that. So, yeah, so there were very a lot of moments where we had to say, "Woo, this we need to get this formula to work. And it, it's not getting in, it's not getting into our system perfectly. It's not dosing perfectly. Um, and we had to it took us a number of years to solve those problems, about two years. I know you had asked me before how long. Sometimes it takes us 18 months to get to the market, sometimes five years. And usually the answer to that are these challenges that we face and how long it takes us to overcome them. What's the, um, the general feedback from patients that come in and have this experience for the first time? I'm sure it's quite sort of exciting, maybe overwhelming, confusing. Maybe there's some, you know, questions around, well, you know, is this real? Is it, you know, is this like, it seems too good to be true. Like how do you, what's that first, I'm really interested to know what that first patient experience is like going mm -hmm. through this process. It's a great question too. And I can tell you that, um, in previous projects, I've had some moments where a consumer will use our product and all of a sudden have this incredible reaction. And, and you know that when you look at whether or not they repurchase the product. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when we had our, um, and sometimes we've, we haven't succeeded in that. I must say sometimes we've, it's worked great, sometimes not. And that's okay. That's part of the game. Um, but uh, in the foundation one, we had people crying at the point of sale. I mean, people that had never had the right shade of foundation um, because of their skin tone or because of where they live or because of the challenge of getting the right shade. So um, we had these kind of really magical moments. And I have to say with dose, um, one of the things we've recognized is um, that immediately people see the value mm -hmm. because I think of the transparency, because it's a brand that people trust because it's a dermatologist that people, you know, value the, the information and the assessment. Um, but also because they see that there are a lot of these actives in the formula that they probably have to buy two, three products to get. And now they can simplify their routine. They can um, follow their routine. Um, and these are big insights that they know people know um, without having to tell them. And so, so to answer your question, we see in our preliminary results, um, we see huge repurchase rates on this technology. People seem to get very, um, they don't buy into the first serum only. They buy into the, the, the vision of it. They buy into the long-term. And, um, and the reason why that's important to me as an innovator and to the brand is because the more people use the regimen of skincare over time properly, the better it will work. It takes time. It's not magical. It's never magical um, when it comes to, to topicals. But if you have high percentage of actives and you use them over time in a smart way, you will see the results. Um, and I think um, 
yes, you can, uh, you know, you can get the magic when you do um, cosmetic procedures, but on the topical world, um, you need people to comply. And so um, that we see that complaint. So, yeah. So I think, and in the immediate response is always more about the process. It's not about the, the, it's always like, wow, I see my product being made, but then they go home, they go home with the serum and they use it. And, and the repurchase tells us whether or not they really believe in it. And we see very, very high repurchase so far. So we're humbled by it, but we think we've created something hopefully that people love. If I could ask a similar question, what's the feedback been like from the actual clinics and the dermatologists? Um, has there been any pushback that they feel like, you know, their skill sets being diminished and are oh, the, the custom doses doing all, all of the magic now? Or have they really embraced it because, you know, it's sort of it's the happy medium between specialist and tech? I think it's number two, obviously, because I, you know, I'm. I, I'm biased, of course, but uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you why I think objectively it's number two. Um, we created the system in a way that the part that the dermatologist brings to the table is not at all automated. They assess the skin, they talk to their patient, and they know what's best. Yeah. But it's a, but they also know that their their patient has to be part of the conversation. And this is the first thing. The second thing is that what we're automating is something that they don't do. They don't mix formulas in the office. They can't. It's it's too complicated. I mean, there's too many physical properties in these formulas. You would need a, a centrifuge to mix it and you would need 30, 40 minutes to do it. So the part that we automate for them is just a part that they don't provide. They don't have to, to provide to their clients. And we have had incredible support from the from the doctors more than I ever could imagine because they know the world is changing and they know their clients come in all the time asking for you know more bespoke products, more things that are are tailor made, more things that are transparent. So they see this as as um, something for them. And you know we're not selling this to people at home uh, when it comes to the machine itself. Like the whole process of going to the dermatologist and talking to them isn't is a experience that we hope can be elevated. What I hear from them a lot is they go, we need more and more technology in between um, surgical and cosmetic procedures and just um, our, our serums yeah. and our products. And so um, they, they do recognize that that's, there's a big gap there. Um, so, so there's that, but we have had some feedback. That's also, um, we've had to fix and, and, you know, luckily the Australia market will be getting this technology when we've already fixed a lot of this feedback, cause we're about <laughs> to, about to launch in February, um, in a month, the SkinCeuticals will launch in Australia, um, this, this project and, and some of the original feedback in our, um, in our testing was that, um, you know, they, they, they said, well, um, uh, we think that the software should work like this. We think that the questionnaire sh should be perfected and changed. We think that uh, they would contact us. They would tell us, we think we should improve, but we improved them. We, we listened to them and we changed it and we, uh, we, we made the changes. And that's why we rolled out effectively and slowly so that we could make sure that you know, we could incorporate their changes and listen to them. And then they, now that they love it, they keep asking us, can I have a new, when's our next, uh, next uh, formula coming, our next booster coming. So now we have to, to, um, to speed up to their ambition too, um, which is a great challenge to have. So yeah, so it's been going really well and their feedback has been things to make it better. It hasn't been, oh, no, no fear of uh, replacing uh, at all their, their expertise. Brilliant. Now, I know um, doctors and scientists don't like talking about money, um, but um, I'm happy to ask the question. So in terms of, I guess, people listening to this, whether they be a you know, pay, potential uh, patient or consumer at home or a doctor or um, specialist looking to bring this into their clinic, what, 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 what should people expect to pay for these products? And I guess from if you're a doctor, like, you know, what sort of margins are you getting? And I mean, if you can't answer the question, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just, if I was listening to this, that's probably a question that I'd want to know the answer to. Okay. Well, my, my rule of thumb is I never don't answer a question, but um, I also have to keep my job. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an answer that will hopefully please your viewers, you, and still have me have a paycheck next month, sure. which is really important to my um, lifestyle. Um, so uh, it, let me tell you what, what it is. So, okay. The price of the product itself is not um, uh, ex uh, 
a much more premium to this the current brand portfolio of products. Okay. This is the first point. So for a consumer, they will pay what they normally pay for um, high-end serums and SkinCeuticals line. Of course, it's on the higher end, of course, but it's not uh, it's not a, uh, an increase, huge increase. The second is that um, whatever the dermatologist makes today in terms of margins, and I actually don't know the percentage to be honest, but whatever they make today in terms of margins on the typical product, they make the same with this machine. Mm -hmm. So they are making money. Um, and, uh, and it's also the same for us as well when it comes to margin. The difference is that um, there is a, a, an elevated or kind of pr um, uh, product that and service that comes from it. Mm. Um, but, but everyone does make, does make the, the money that comes with, um, with selling these types, uh, this type of technology. Um, but there's no premium, there's no premium for the user. So there's no extra margin for anybody. Um, it's just like a typical, um, typical, uh, product that they normally have. And then the machine itself is, um, we have, you know, we sell it to dermatologists like they would buy equipment in their office <clears throat> and, um, and it becomes their machine. So it's a, it's a machine that they have that they can, um, they can bring out there. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, a lot of times you see personalization and you see the product 10 times more expensive. That's not the case for what we've done here. We just tried to create this, you know, um, in the range of the products that are sold with SkinCeuticals, but um, making sure everybody makes money out of it, of course, because otherwise then, well, you know, I mean, that's it, just the reality, reality of economics, yeah. you know, everyone's got to, everyone's got yeah. to make money. So we all have jobs and we can feed our everybody. families and, and go on holidays when, when the skies <laughs> open. So, exactly. you know, it, it is what it is. I guess, well, my it guess would be, uh, maybe this is just an assumption, but because you're sort of improving the patient journey, experience, compliance, uh, and also because you can make bespoke products so someone isn't having to take, you know, 10 tubes off the, off the shelf like normal, and now they may be home with just one bespoke formula. Suddenly, uh, you know, maybe patients are more engaged in actually buying higher volumes of product, but more bespoke to them. So it's actually helping both the physician and, and the patient. Exactly. You perfectly said, I couldn't say it better than what you just said. Exactly. So I think, you know, the more value we add, um, and, and, you know, I, I take inspiration a lot from people that have made beautiful products in the world, like um, Apple. And, uh, and in the end, you know, when you look at these kinds of, in the end, if you can create a product that can make people's lives better, that can make their, you know, um, delight and delight people, um, then everybody will also make money in the end and people will be happier and better for it. Um, but you have to start with making the best product and experience for people. And then in the end, um, you go to the economics. Okay. We've got another question, which I really don't know if you could answer, but one of the key things that, you know, injectors and David owns clinics and patients always want to know is, is this working? Am I getting results? And, you know, you're selling them a premium product from the world's number one medical aesthetics, um, skincare company. How are you judging results how are you how do you have a way or a system or a camera or a skin mm -hmm. analysis device is there anything in the pipeline that you can sort of definitive you know you can definitively hang your hat and say there you go it's working yeah um it's a great question and i think the answer to your question is is not as um as uh, simple as your question itself sorry <laughs> to say that but I know, we do have a lot of uh, <laughs> which is the case a lot of times in science and in these kinds of things well, i'll just say in general in l'oreal we're building all kinds of new um skin diagnostic and measurement technologies that can help people um, um watch the progress of their skin over time but in the case of dose i go back to the question you originally asked me a few um 10 15 minutes ago which was um, do the derms ever tell you um, that you're trying to take their place? And um, and the answer was no, but because of how we created this technology, um, we don't have this kind of um, AI automated uh, you know, measurement for this technology because the derm can tell you even more than that. They can see, they can see things that uh, no technology can see. So we leave it to the derm to do that. We, we create the system of technology and software, and then they, they come back six weeks later to their dermatologist or two, three months later, and they say, how's my skin? Yeah. And, and they, they have what they've had before, and then they can see how it gets to better. So in the case of dose, we rely on two things, the great formulas of SkinCeuticals, I, I have, you know, uh, yes, I work for L'Oreal, but I use their products. They're the best in the world, in my opinion, when it comes to skincare and biology, but also the derms, the derms expertise can never be, can never be, um, 
you know, taken over by any software. Yeah. Um, so, so we let them have that experience in more mass brands of when you don't have access to that kind of, uh, or, or you want to, you, you know, you don't have the time. Yes, we do have technologies in our team we're working on, which are based um, on Modifaces technology in our group, which takes uh, AI pictures of your face and sees the progress. Um, but we think you can even elevate that experience by having the discussion with the derm based on data, based on a history of data from the dose system. Yeah. Um, that, that app. Yeah. I mean, my, my suggestion to the incubator sort of arm and, and your team would be to create something that, you know, like you said, it works in tandem with the dermatologist and the derm will oversee things and of course be, you know, ultimately guiding the, the, the results and the, and the treatments, but also for the patient to sort of be part of the process where they can almost see yeah. some numbers and say, oh yes, my hydration is better. And yeah. yes, my pigmentation scores lower and so on. It, it creates some tangibility and gets rid of the subjectivity of, of that sort of guesswork. And that's why, you know, currently if, if people aren't using devices like the custom dose, you get so many people buying random skin products because they're lost. They don't know. And they're just trying yeah. and they're not even sure if things are working or not working because it's so subjective. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Appreciate the comment too. And you're absolutely right. And uh, no, I really do. I love it. You know, when you know you have great uh, projects when people, you know, give you lots of feedback. And I, I think that's a great feedback. I mean, giving, having this ability to have a conversation that's like, what was happened six months ago? What happened three months ago? And it, it is in our pipeline to think more and more about how we can have um, really more and more effective conversations about the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh visit, not the first visit, mm -hmm. um, because that's going to be even more important. And and to know you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a it's very important to think about that. I think um, Jake's angling for a job with L'Oreal. Yeah, if you if you need me as a sort <laughs> hey, of a, come on a, over, a Jake. consultancy role, we can do it via Zoom for now. Come on over. <laughs> um, we've got we could we could use you, my friend. We okay. can use you. <laughs> Happy to oblige. For people that are listening, whether they be like I guess uh, potential customers or patients at home or clinicians, dermatologists that are wanting to experience a custom dose and see how it all works, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can, uh, we will be launching in Australia in February. You can go to the SkinCeuticals website and get all the information about where Dose will be. And uh, we'll provide, provide you all the information from the website and you can, you can find out. Perfect. And there's also a number that um, people can contact. Um, probably if you're a clinic, I would suspect it's 1-300-101-411. That's the SkinCeuticals team. Um, so if you're a clinic looking to potentially stock or, or even just buy the um, skin scuticals range that that's the number to go to. So now that we've moved on from uh, the custom dose, there's some stuff I wanted to ask you in relation to a bit of crystal ball gazing um, or maybe <laughs> projects that you've got coming down the pipeline. Like where do you see the future going and what new and exciting innovations can we expect to be coming from the incubator team at L'Oreal in the next period of time, next couple of years? Oh, great question. And uh, it's uh, funny. <laughs> I wake up all the, every day with new dreams. Exactly. Well, Jake, when you join the team, you and I will dream even more together. But OK, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, uh, I don't think we can afford you. So I'll, I'll just tell you uh, I'll tell you on the phone on the phone. So uh, here's what I think. I think that um, I think that the merge between data and physical objects will create um, an incredible magical result for people in beauty in the future. Um, you'll one day be able to um, detect an individual wrinkle and only treat that wrinkle. You'll be able to, um, you'll be able to assess your face with, uh, and skin with much more accuracy than you can today. Um, being able to follow the progress over time, um, both at a professional and at home. You'll be able to link what you do at home with what you do with a professional. You'll have an entire new experience around um, uh, around um, uh, an O to O, offline to online, um, and and more pragmatically, the personalization will go bigger. It will go to everybody and not just the select few. Um, the the conversation will become more and more um, uh, more and more um, a two way street, not just a one way street. So I think there will be I think there will be all kinds of magical and um, amazing. Um, applicators and tools and technologies that I think will create a new level of beauty for tomorrow. 
Um, and, and that's why I'm really excited about, about the future because you see how where we were 15 years ago in technology. Imagine where we will be in 15 years. I mean, 15 years ago, none of us even had an iPhone. It was, uh, I think we were, was created 14 years ago. So imagine in 15 years what kinds of things we can do for our people around the world. So, yeah, so I'm really, really excited about that kind of merge between physical and digital um, and how we can augment our products to go further, to go, you know, to, to bring the best results for people. Um, and I, I think that technology will be a great way to achieve it. Has um, the recent launch of 5G just come at the perfect time for stuff like that? Or is it not so important for what you're doing? Oh, I think it's very important. I think 5G just provides more and more speed of, uh, of connection, which allows you to do things that are, you know, take measurements of your skin using a smartphone in a millisecond to, um, to connect everything you do. Uh, a lot of our technologies and our team are require um, a fast connection, like mm. between, um, between our physical and digital objects. And um, and so, um, so the faster things get, the smaller and miniaturized they get, the more powerful data gets, then um, the more we can do. So it's, it's never just one trend. It's not just 5G. It's not just miniaturized electronics. It's not just AI. It's a combination of all of these um, kind of making the other one better and then piecing them together that creates, I think, great innovation. Um, speaking of innovation, like what do you think like the biggest secret is to like staying innovative. And I guess, you know, it's, it's really easy for companies to become complacent. We've seen it all throughout various periods of history where companies have become complacent and they've lost their way and they no longer exist. I mean, you said L'Oreal's been around for over a hundred years now. They're doing something right. And obviously you're at the forefront of this being in this incubator team that's looking to the future and innovating like there's no tomorrow. So what what's the secret to that, do you think? I think the secret is never feeling like you've got it figured out, um, having a fighting spirit for your for your technology, for pushing forward, for, you know, uh, continuing to to have the bar be the bar you create for yourself as a company and not what's happening outside to compete with your own ideas and to remember that people are uh are much more demanding than you can imagine when it comes to innovation. And I think that creates a environment. And I think L'Oreal's history has been a fighting spirit, has been a never, never give up, never think it's enough. And I think that's the way companies can succeed when it comes to innovation. Well, Keeve, um, that's been an absolutely fascinating podcast, one of the sort of most interesting and futuristic that we've ever done. Um, I really applaud what you guys are doing. It's uh, it's really cool. Sounds like you have got quite a small team, comp- you know, comparatively, com- you know, with all the things that you're pumping out and producing. So um, we appreciate your time. I know you're busy on a, on a busy clock and we had to change our time today to accommodate that. So thanks again from Team IA. Yes. And thanks to SkinCeuticals as well for the partnership with the Custom Dose uh, machine it's amazing thank you so much for having me thank you so much for accommodating i really appreciate that and thanks uh i i can't tell you um uh it was a great and fun conversation i appreciate all the the you know uh, questions that were really you know things we've learned over time and 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 just to say that we're really excited about this launch of skinceuticals and dose and in, in australia we think it's an amazing market um a wonderful country a great place to uh, and continent, a great place uh, um, uh, that we hope that this uh, will succeed um, and do well and hopefully provide new things. But but also it was really fun talking to you both. And and I appreciate very much for you uh, giving us the platform and stage. So thanks a lot. Thank you. And uh, hopefully when the skies were open, we'll get you over here and we'll go out and we'll have a beer. Must be bring me please yeah. please 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 I, I, I love australia I'm, I'm serious i love it it's one of my favorite places in the world you're so lucky i mean i'm from california so we have a lot of similarities but it's just a beautiful place it's a beautiful place so we'll see each other soon we'll see each other soon definitely i'll Let's take you to that. a photo that i took on the beach today just to make you a little bit jealous <laughs> I don't, that's not funny. I don't know, Jake. You're, you're fired. We haven't even started a new oh, podcast. Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, Have fun, no, man. Have happy fun. note. Enjoy and stay safe, mate. Take care. Thanks, Gabe. Thank, Thank you, you very much. So much. Take Bye. care. You too. You. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. 
You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.